Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the only person capable of spilling blood, digesting the flesh of characters, and crushing the spirits, both literally and figuratively, of all the players around the table. I am one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. <laughs> I have no idea what he's doing. We did not talk about this beforehand, but I did come up with, I'm Deathmaster Neil, a.k.a. Choke Maniac. Oh, very good, very good. And now we have two hosts. Ah, 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 ah. ah. <laughs> Alright, that's enough of that. Well, obviously, I think you all know uh, what time of year it is when you're listening to this episode. This is our special Halloween episode, and today we are bringing you a special raw, real monster episode where we're going to take a look at a creature that is not from the DMG, but a creature that is, <laughs> I hesitate to say this in the way that I want to say it, but from the real world, at least it exists in myth and legend in the real world. The Wendigo. Right outside your back door. Exactly. The Patreon Dragons over on our forums voted for the Wendigo to be our next Raw Real Monster, so here we are talking about it. But, Neil, before we get into the meat, which is a very, very well-named description for this episode on the Wendigo. Ah, yes. We have some five-star reviews. So the first one comes from McMainza. I think that's how you say it. And they entitled it, Enjoying the Podcast five stars i'm an old school player i spent every saturday afternoon during college playing ad and advanced dungeons and dragons i still had my original player's handbook from then that's awesome recently i decided to get back into the game and picked up the classic dungeon master's guide and monster manual via auctions i ran across your podcast and am enjoying it immensely slowly but surely i am working my way through from both ends new episodes and original ones as someone who game mastered for Champions, which is the super old school awesome hero RPG for many years, I like your take on topics that can really be applied to most RPGs in general too. Good work. Thank you, McManza, for your awesome review. And that is amazing that you're playing with your orig like the original AD&D books. Our next one comes from Zelnar225, and it's entitled helps with sanity at the table. This show is really helpful. If my brain needs some good stimuli, I put on my headphones and listen to this. The show has prevented me from randomly killing my characters because they act like complete idiots. <laughs> Thanks, DMs Block. <laughs> That's what we're trying to do here at the DMs Block. <laughs> That's so good. That is such a, like, truthful and awesome review thank you so much zelnar that was great well but with both of those out of the way let's head to the meat i'm starving we ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days why can't we have some meats looks like meat back on the menu boys <laughs> So today on The Meet, as you already know, we're going to be talking about the Wendigo, which comes from Marvel Comics and fought against the Hulk. And that was the first appearance of Wolverine. It's not what we're talking about. 
but it is a version of the Windigo if we wanted to if we wanted to talk about it. If you like that kind of thing, you should go listen to Geek Wars. Anyway, continue, Neil. <laughs> but what we're going to focus on more is kind of the cryptozoological side of where it is a creature that was kind of started with uh, Algonquian Native American people and in I believe the kind of Canadian Great Lakes area, which, like I said, right outside your back door, Mitch. So watch out. The window goes coming. True. Well, we've got we've got in Michigan. We got to worry about the uh, Michigan dog man, too. So they'll get me first. Oh, they're probably just fighting. That's why you guys are OK. The window go and the dog. Man. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> but there's a lot of different takes on it. And Mitch and I had quite the discussion of how to pronounce Wendigo. And then he linked me the Wikipedia article. And there's no right or wrong pronunciation. That's for sure. Yes. I would say that the two most common are probably Wendigo, Windigo. Those are probably the two ones that you hear the most. And the plural is Windigog. You add an A-G at the oh, end. Oh, I didn't even see that. That is interesting. Yeah, so it keeps it real confusing. But the main focus is that the Windigo is, or rather has, cannibalistic tendencies, no matter where you look for the origination of the lore. Like Neil said, the myths, the legends about the Wendigo are different. So there, there's all this different types of lore of what exactly the Wendigo is. But like he said, it always goes back to cannibalism. So the Wendigo is a monster that's a cannibal, but sometimes it's also a person that is possessed by an evil spirit that brings them to the point of cannibalism and then turns them into a monster. The Wendigo may appear as a monster with some characteristics of a human or as a spirit who has possessed a human and made them become monstrous. And when it comes to the Wendigo, it's often associated with cannibalism, murder, insatiable greed, winter, the north, coldness, as well as famine and starvation. We have a descriptive quote, and I mean, it. It's so funny because it, it looks like it's pulled right out of a monster manual, yes, um, but it was true. actually from a scholar that kind of gave a brief description of what the Wendigo looks like. So here we go. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones, with its bones pushing out against its skin. Its complexion, the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Its body was unclean and suffering from separations of the flesh, giving off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. And that gem comes to you from Basil Johnston. Like I said, a teacher and scholar from Canada. Basil Johnston to me sounds like a known name. <laughs> oh, it's me, Basil Johnston. <laughs> this creature, its entire body, like, it's constantly has this hunger, and that's where the cannibalism leads to. Uh, but its whole body kind of doesn't look the way that you would think it l would look for a creature that is constantly wanting to eat and eat and eat. Rather than gaining weight, it is always looking starved, and you can see its bones. Look up some pictures on Google of a Wendigo. They are creepy, especially oh, yeah. with the fact that many pictures of the Wendigo have a deer's head, which deer are not normally frightening looking, 
but these creatures, the Wendigo with the deer head, definitely, <laughs> they look scary. And there's definitely a lot of different takes on it, but all of them are very gaunt in their features because it's f- focusing back on that insatiable need to essentially be a cannibal. There are so many takes on it. There are even some takes on it that couple the Wendigo even more so with that aspect of winter and their bodies are covered or even made out of ice. Which would make it interesting because in a D&D world, I would wonder, like, would that make it into an elemental creature then? Mm. Yeah, and then some also have it where it is only the heart that is ice. Yes. We're definitely going to be spitballing and tossing out a lot of different ideas because, like I said, there's a lot of different approaches of a folklore creature that has existed for hundreds of years because the other option is that the person that has been taken over by the Wendigo still exists inside of it as the heart and they are frozen and that's potentially one way that the Wendigo could be destroyed is also destroying the person that they're inhabiting and I think it's just generally a good idea to look into folklore like this because there's so many different avenues and options and even if your player would let's say know about the Wendigo they're probably not going to know every nuance story or version so you can still trip them up. Yeah, I think that as a DM, if I'm putting this creature into my own homebrew world, I think I like that aspect of the actual person still being inside of this monstrosity because, yes, that can lead to, oh, that's another way that if you can destroy this person inside, then the Wendigo will die. But it also, for some good characters, may make them wonder, is there a way we can save that person inside? And I guess that would have to depend on how did that person become a Wendigo? Was it because they were evil? Did they do something bad? Or was it something that was cursed upon them? But if it was something that was cursed upon them, like that would be an interesting venture, an interesting moral quandary to put before your players. Like The person that is inside this monstrosity that is keeping it alive, is innocent. Yeah, and I really like the curse aspect. And I was actually saving this. We are going to talk a little bit about the Marvel version because I'm a big believer in all things Marvel. (laughs) The version in the Wendigo, it is a curse. There is still the aspect of cannibalism, but essentially if you engage in cannibalism in Canada and the Marvel world, you are then cursed to be a Wendigo. And the only way to reverse it is to do a sacrifice to the Elder Gods of the Marvel Universe. And so that could be a fantastic way to go into any D&D setting is the only way to get this removed if that's the avenue your players feel they need to go down is to figure out how to get in contact with a god powerful enough to undo this curse. So I think that could be a really cool avenue depending on what kind of players you have in your group. That's true. Even if it is something that's brought on through an act of evil like cannibalism, you can still as a DM for your game make an adventure hook where the players need to not just slay the beast but try and free the person inside from its monstrous form perhaps you are playing with paladins and their order decides that true justice wouldn't be giving it the easy escape of death and slaying it but they still need to go before trial and they still need to be to, to go through the regular system of the law. And so the way that you are going to do that is now your paladin PC or paladins PC have to free this person from the monstrosity that's taken over because of the fact that they create, they did an evil deed. Yeah. And you have some really cool emotional gut punches that you could add in there. 
because you could have it be where they don't know who's been taken over. They just know it's the Wendigo. And it feels kind of cliche, but essentially you could have like, you know, and your fighter runs in, they do this epic slash across the chest, and then all of a sudden your players see an NPC that they recognize, know, and love. Everything changes from that point. Because it's now, what do we do? We can't, do we still make that terrible tough choice to go ahead and have to destroy the NPC to destroy the monster or do we not and have to figure something out? Do we just, do we just give up and run away right now? So I think it's a really cool way to essentially have like an emotional gut punch when they find out who's been taken over. I mean, if you want to get really dark and this is Halloween, so I suppose it is appropriate. If you're talking about a land of winter, a land that's always cold, that there is scarcity of food the Wendigo curse being bestowed upon somebody could come about through a party of adventurers gets lost in the wilderness. They're starving. One of their members dies and they're given the choice of do we die as well or do we resort to cannibalism even though we don't want to? Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're having thoughts of the Donner party from the real world and that question of like, if it's the choice of survival, would you eat somebody if they were already dead? And that could happen in this fantasy world that a adventuring party did this. And because of that, maybe that's where the curse first began because of an adventuring party who were forced to eat one of their own members after they died to survive. And they all became Wendigos. It could be a whole mystery of that your PCs are trying to figure out where did these monsters come from? What are these monsters? And you could leave little clues along the way for them to figure out, oh my goodness, this is an adventuring party. Yeah. The other thing that's really cool is that there's also some pieces inside the lore that can make this turn into something more than just a one-off occurrence. I mean, there's already the built-in kind of mystery of who done it if you want what the wind to go or how do we track it and how do we do those things so there's a campaign arc but additionally i feel like and i'm getting there there are a couple of pieces of information that could make this a campaign setting almost the first is that there are some pieces of the lore that cannibalism isn't necessarily involved in that like the Wendigo curse could be contracted very similar to vampirism or lycanthropy. If you're bitten by a Wendigo and you survive, you also become a Wendigo. There's even lore about spending too much time with a Wendigo will turn you into a Wendigo, <laughs> not even being bit. but sp- And my question of that is, what are you doing having tea over his house that you're spending time with a Wendigo? You spent way too much time with that Wendigo. Oh, man. Okay, so though... This is my thought was, what if it, I mean, going down that dark road of, okay, so your players had to do this thing. One of them turns into a Wendigo. Now they don't want to kill this other player or this NPC. So now they have them trapped, but slowly, but surely, like if they're not, if they can't figure it out, it's a ticking time bomb of like, either we solve this or we also become the Wendigo as well. Yes. That's fantastic. Like you keep them in your fort, like under lock and key in the dungeon and you all live in the fort, and even if you don't go down and see it, like one day you wake up and you look down at your arm, and for a split second you see like a clawed hand with fur all over it, and then you like shake your head and it's gone, but it is this slow process of your becoming what the person in your dungeon is. Okay, that like perfectly led me into the next one, which we haven't talked about. It was a... 
actual diagnoses for a while was Wendigo psychosis, which was described by psychiatrists as a culture-bound syndrome with symptoms such as an intense craving for cannibalism that you would forego even easily accessible food. And that could be another way to implement a campaign. What if it's not your people that have it under their fort? What if it's actually like another group of adventurers where this happened to their friend and now they're essentially hiding the Wendigo while they're trying to figure it out. But like the area surrounding it is slowly degrading on a psychological level into cannibalism. That is terrifying. <laughs> like just to yeah. live in that town and people are just Oh, and that's that I feel like that's where you begin with. You begin with people are disappearing and your adventurers are put to the task of figuring out where they're disappearing to. And it's going to be a difficult thing because if it's just this like aura, if we want to use a D&D &D term of an aura of cannibalism. If you make this creature into a into a D&D &D monster, perhaps that's one of its special abilities that it has. If it's this aura of cannibalism that all these people who are around it are being affected by this, then there's really no rhyme or reason to the crimes that are being committed of people disappearing unless you're thinking of it in that manner of maybe there's a... You kind of map out where those things happen and say, it's all kind of happening in this area... And this fort right here for that adventuring party is the center of this area. What we're talking about is definitely what I was originally thinking about, about some like an established area, you know, a very urban setting that is now degrading. The other could be a long-term situation where it is actually like a people or a tribe or whatever group that is now known for cannibalism. You know, what's weird is I just thought about the fact that it could be other races, I don't know why I hadn't thought of it in that light, like because it is so based in American folklore that I just always thought of humans this whole way. But what if it was like a tribe of cannibalistic orcs? And the reason is they're they've trapped a Wendigo and view it somewhat as like a deity figure. And huh. so they sacrifice things to it. And now this entire orc tribe is based on cannibalism because they've had this Wendigo figurehead for 200 years. That's interesting. And I... Getting deeper into that with a fantasy world, I wonder if there's a way to distinguish between the different races when they turn into a Wendigo. Like, do they have a little bit different of a, maybe a different kind of deer head? Like an orc that turns into a Wendigo has an elk's head or a moose's head instead. And a gnome that turned into a Wendigo would be smaller with a pygmy deer's head that still looks frightening is all get up it'd be interesting to see those different types that'd be really interesting if like all of them were horned creatures because then immediately i was thinking that um like a dwarven wendigo would have like a ram's head yes i, I now i'm thinking of like <laughs> the a chupacabra coming in and fighting a dwarven wendigo yes i need your blood now we're gonna have an entire campaign setting that is only wendigo people <laughs> yes yeah, it's interesting because there are even stories in legend about Wendigos not simply attacking to feed on people, but just following, constantly following around people in the wilderness to the point where they starve because they're running away and they're scared 
of this Wendigo and they die from starvation. Going back to the fact that it is tied into the element of starvation. It Sometimes these Wendigo will just follow these people around. And I wonder if in a fantasy world, if this is a curse and spending time around a Wendigo will turn you into a Wendigo. Perhaps every now and then, it'd be interesting if the Wendigos are incapable of regular f- ways of mating. And so when mating season comes, the way that a Wendigo quote-unquote mates is simply by following around unsuspecting travelers, scaring them to the point where they run them off the trail and continue to follow them to the point where they die in the cold of starvation, and then they become a Wendigo. So the other thing that I feel that we haven't talked about or discussed in I think in a very and this is a positive is that you know we're not saying any kind of skill set or mechanics for the Wendigo because there is so much around the lore that you can turn this creature into what you need it to be. I mean because again we can look at the Marvel aspect where the Wendigo is very strong in the sense that it goes toe to toe with the Hulk. Or you could have it be you know in that gaunt features, you could have it be extremely stealthy. And so its thing is to create more Wendigos just by remaining hidden in the shadows and eventually spending enough time around people that they turn to cannibalism as well. So, yeah, any aspect that you want to make this Wendigo, make it because that's the best thing about that. Like I said, that's the best thing about this lore is there's so much that you're you're really pulling pieces that already exist and turning it into the creature you need it to be. Yeah. And I think speaking of that, let's talk about some aspects of the Wendigo that would make it an interesting D&D monster. Uh, So we've already kind of talked about this idea of adding in an aura of cannibalism that those around the Wendigo, perhaps they roll a save, and if they fail, you could even make it a, if you fail, you start to crave human flesh. If you roll under a five, then you cannot even control yourself. You are, like, you attack the closest person toward toward that is near you. But along with that, Wendigos, although they look completely starved and they are skinny, they possess superhuman strength. They are super strong. So that's something that as a D&D monster would need to come into play, that even though they may not look like the most muscular creatures, that they are incredibly strong. And honestly, I imagine them being incredibly fast and agile as well yeah i mean especially with that strength because you can use strength to also interpret into being fast and agile because you you got muscles you can move fast of course you can it's just not it's just not elegant (laughs) that's the only difference exactly Another element that I find really compelling to add as in a D&D monster sense is that uh, along with the constant hunger, those who have encountered Wendigos in the wild say that they are constantly from their eating growing and growing and growing and growing to the point where there are legends about them growing as tall and big as trees. So I feel like it would be a fantastic element to add to a Wendigo monster is either to give them once a day the ability to enlarge themselves, or perhaps they are able to enlarge themselves after they have finished a meal, that they grow to a larger size because of that. Uh, Not 
scary at all, but it also made me think of like, well, eventually, like, it's just going to get found out. It can't hide anymore. (laughs) It's just so big. Like, oh, there it is. Let's go get it. Oh, man. Yeah. If they if they don't. What if they just continue to eat? Do they continue to grow? Like, could you have a Wendigo in your campaign where it ends with a amazing kaiju battle against the Wendigo? Yes, of course you could. Now you have to. It's, It's done. Do it. Do it, Blockhead. So the other piece that we haven't really talked about much is kind of focusing on that spirit aspect It either being possessing someone or even just kind of focusing on the spirit version of it. Because I have the mini from Pathfinder that is terrifying because it's floating off of the ground without any feet. And so it's almost like this spectral version from the shins down and just how much creepier that would be because then it's it's not walking it's just like half floating towards your players and just going down that road this many honestly like when i first look at it i kind of chuckle a little bit like it's a little goofy looking but to me it just brings to mind that gif if anybody is is familiar with it where that the news lady is interviewing the kid and he starts laughing and eventually that laugh just turns into like a terrified oh he starts crying yes Yes. that is exactly what like looking at this thing reminds me of is you first want to chuckle and then you're like oh man that's terrifying (laughs) yes exactly but i think it'd be really interesting because then you can do a lot of creepier things honestly like it can just show up and just disappear Yes. And show up behind your players. And you know, and so there's a lot of different things that you can do with adding in that kind of spectral or spirit you know, spirit element to the creature. Yeah, we're not talking about Bigfoot in this episode, but to pull on another cryptid of Bigfoot, uh, one of the reasons that Bigfoot believers will say that Bigfoot hasn't ever been captured or like that they're really difficult to find is because that Bigfoot is a creature that can shift onto other planes of existences whenever it wants. And so that, I mean, that's something that you could do with it. It could either be a spirit that could go into the ethereal plane, or perhaps it just, it just plane shifts and it's able to go back and forth. And that is, yes, that is exactly terrifying. Like this thing, I just imagine your adventuring party rolling a perception check it has to be a high roll. One of your players makes it, and you describe that they look over their shoulder at a nearby mountain and see this figure standing up on the mountain. They do a double take, and it's no longer there. And having that constantly happen, and I feel like your player would be constantly going, is this real? Am I going crazy? What is what is going on right now? But the Wendigo is just shifting between the ethereal plane back in and back out and slowly following your players. So the best example I can think of this is because I'm rewatching it right now before season two is Stranger Things. This is exactly what it makes me think of, you know, in that ability to come in and out wherever that, you know, wherever the air quote Demogorgon wanted to and then zip back in. And like all these questions of like, where is this? What is happening? And all these different things. Again, you have that side and you can totally go the other side of you see your glass of water shaking and you hear trees falling. And now you have a Wendigo. Both of them totally work. So good. And yes, Stranger Things, when this episode drops, Stranger Things Season 2 will be out. 
Me and Neil will both yes. be enjoying it. We hope that you, our listeners, will be enjoying it as well. If you haven't seen Stranger Things Season 1, go watch it. It's got D&D stuff. It is awesome. Yeah. Neil, before we completely close out the meet, you did say you were going to talk a little bit about the Marvel Wendigo. So I'd like to give you a chance to do that, even if it's just telling us what you like about it. It's only going to go back mainly to the fact that Wolverine is my favorite character. And his Mm. first appearance in Hulk 180 is when the Wendigo and the Hulk are fighting. And like I said, it is a crazy thing that this creature is so powerful that it can do a stalemate with the Hulk. But I really did like that the avenue that Marvel took was having it be a curse from this ancient being that can now only be undone by contacting the elder gods of the Marvel universe. So it is like very, very high level campaign. So definitely go read all the things and it's Canadian. So, I mean, you can't go wrong, right? (laughs) No, you, you absolutely can't. Hey, and with that, before we close out the show, we're going to pass it over to me for the mailbag of holding. But they've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail with you all day, okay? Welcome back to another segment of the Mailbag of Holding, the place where we take a look at ideas, stories, and questions from you, the listener. Today's email comes from Snowy Zombie. And in Snowy Zombie's email, she pitches an idea to us and wants to know our thoughts on it. So this is the idea that Snowy Zombie wrote in. After we finish up our current game, I want to do a small adventure with their next characters as children so they can have ties to each other that go deep. The idea is that they're from a small village when a circus comes into town for a week or two. They, being kids will go and enjoy together partaking of fortune-telling and the like, and when this happens, they will end up turned into small creatures, mice, hamsters, critters like that. They'll have to escape as these small creatures or face a life of being a small animal and or getting eaten by the cats and dogs of the circus. Thanks for that idea, Snowy Zombie. I think that is a fantastic idea. I don't know if we've talked about it on the show before, but having your players start off with their PCs as kids for a campaign, I believe is a great way to have them develop a bond as a team with their PCs from a very early point in the game. Something that maybe could take sessions upon sessions of gameplay with PCs. And this adventure idea, I think this is something that would be a fantastic thing that would bond together a group of adventurers for life. I mean, to go through something like that at a young age. And as this is our Halloween episode, I think a little twist here, and you've got a amazing Halloween, scary, spooky night of D&D. All you need to do is put a creepy twist on all of those that are at the circus and let's be honest circuses can be kind of creepy already clowns need i say more maybe there's a wizard in this circus that all the animals in this circus are people who have been trapped by this circus and may perform but as kids your pcs 
can uncover and then your players have to also decide how do we free the rest of these people once they have freed themselves or is it one act once they are able to free themselves as these small creatures are they able to free everybody is it an adventure where they have to go as small creatures and figure out how do we dispose of this evil wizard i think it's a great idea to have this wizard be the ringleader of the circus to be a very charismatic but have this creep factor to this ringleader but he possesses magical powers so yes i love that idea you should totally do that if you haven't already snowy zombie and if you have write into us and let us know how that went but that's all we have for you today on this segment of the mailbag of holding So that's all we have for you today on this latest edition of Raw Real Monsters. We hope you enjoy our discussion about the Wendigo. And if you have ways that you have used the Wendigo or other cryptids in your game, you can definitely email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Or you could just tell us how much you love Stranger Things 2, Electric Boogaloo. I say that because that's what the logo <laughs> looks like, but I get that it's season two. And... If you like this and the other episodes, definitely head over to iTunes to give us a five-star review so that we can get in front of more people and have more awesome discussions. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places are great places to go if you want updates about the show, if you want to know when episodes drop. And also, sometimes we tweet about other podcasts. We have our Patreon member, shout out of the week. And this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... Carmen! Carmen, thank you so much for your support. Yes, thank Carmen you. Carmen is a bronze dragon, so Carmen is able to enjoy all of our bonus pods, and we hope that you're enjoying the current bonus pods of Storytime, The Call of a Spirit Charmer, Really interesting stories. I hope that you're having a great time listening to those. As always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can go check out all of the other shows like the GM Showcase, Geek Wars, We're So Bad at Adventuring, and more. All right, Neil, as you're closing it out, commit to the role of host of the Dungeon Masters Block on the Halloween episode. Let's do a creepy voice. Okay. Uh, here we go. Oh... That's all we have for you at the Dungeon Master's Block. The place where we focus on the Dungeon Master. The most important person in the game. The only person capable of spilling blood. Ooh. <laughs> oh, it's my turn. <laughs> for the love I'm so into it. <laughs> Eating the flesh of characters. Ooh. Or <laughs> crushing the spirits like I am, figuratively and literally, <laughs> of the players at the table. Have a great Halloween, everybody. I am one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Neil, saying good night and good luck. And keep on Dungeon Mastering.
Goodbye.